You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone with Strong Towns. Welcome back to the Strong Towns Podcast. I'm sitting in a hotel room in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I am sick. <laughs> I am, I'm not feeling well at all. I start with that because this is our member week. Uh, this is the second podcast that we're releasing this week. The first one was along the themes that we're, we're talking about. You know, look around, see the things that uh, are right in front of your eyes. Uh, part of Strong Hounds is helping you see clearly the things in front of you, the things around you, and being able to explain them, not in partisan ways, not in, you know, the stupid post-war economic ways, but in human ways, in, in a real way, in, in a way that actually leads to something that's actionable. I'm here in Santa Fe tonight. Uh, for a variety of, of reasons. But one of them is to spend some time with one of the local conversations here. Let me talk a little bit about this whole, like, what, what got me here. I was trying to think, like, where have I been this week? Last week I was in Anchorage, Alaska. I got home Saturday morning and then headed out on Sunday evening for Norman, Oklahoma, in Norman, Oklahoma, we're doing a uh, community action lab. This is the, the big program we launched this year to change everything about a community. <laughs> we have four of these going on. And in many ways, it's been really, really hard, hard work. It's also been very rewarding and I think very successful. We're going to see over time the ripple effects of this year-long engagement. We will see. But I spent some time in Norman, Oklahoma this week. I got home from that like late, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. I was in the office all day Thursday and then left Thursday evening late, again, early Friday morning to get down to the airport in Minneapolis, fly to Salt Lake City, fly to Albuquerque, and then drive up to uh, Santa Fe. I started to get a cold last week in Anchorage. I've been tested for COVID a couple times. I don't have COVID. I do have a cold. It's not a sneezy cold. It's not a, uh, you know, outwardly everybody can see, but it's one of these, like, I can feel it just knocking me down. And, you know, there's a part, like my wife said, your battery's just drained. Like, you probably don't even have a cold. Ah, I got a cold. <laughs> I got a pretty big battery. This is a cold. It kind of knocks me out. I got to Santa Fe and uh, went right to bed, slept for two hours, got up, went to the local conversation get-together. And tomorrow I will be speaking at a conference here in Santa Fe, one where they asked me like over and over and over again, would you come? And I just said, I, I don't have a gap in my schedule. I mean, literally I'm going from here back to Albuquerque flying, well, I'm flying to Minneapolis, for four hours, because I'm going to the University of Minnesota Marching Band concert with my family, something we do every year, and then I'm getting on a flight and flying to Orlando. I'm in Florida for another community action lab. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, Thursday, I fly to Austin, Texas. I'm doing a conference there in Brastrup, and then 
doing a, another local conversations community meetup presentation on Thursday night in Austin. That will actually be tomorrow night if you're listening to this podcast the day it was released because it's going to come out Wednesday of our member drive week. I fly home on Friday then and then I'm going to be home for a while and hopefully I feel better by then because uh, it's going to be a pretty miserable week if I feel like this all week. I hate to dwell on not feeling well. Uh, that's not the point of, of this podcast. It's just sharing my misery a little bit. Being on the road is very rewarding. It's also very hard, especially when it's over the weekend, especially when, you know, uh, during the week, you know, my kids have school, my wife works. I'm missing dinner in the evening, which is really sad. Like I would like to be home for dinner. I'd like to be home for the evening. But like, we get it, like this is part of the deal. Um, But when it's over the weekend, it just kills, it just hurts, it's just painful. I hate being gone, I hate it, I hate being gone. But I think I'm telling you all this because I wanna give you the other side. So I'm not feeling well. I show up to this gathering uh, of people. And for those of you that don't know what the local conversations program is, we've actually slowed down the promotion of it over the course of this year because it was way too successful. It was, it was more successful than we could keep up with. And so we've kind of been retooling the program to scale up what we do, to find the resources to scale up what we do, to find the staff and the process to scale up what we do. But for those of you that don't know what the local conversations program is, we had a few years ago, I mean, this has been a while now, Places around the country, around North America, identifying themselves as strong towns, local strong towns groups. So there's a strong town Sioux Falls. We didn't start strong town Sioux Falls, like someone did. There's a Facebook group that popped up, strong towns North Dallas. I have no clue who these people are. We didn't start this. And it just became place after place after place, literally like dozens of places that started to identify as strong towns. And some of these places didn't do anything, right? Like some of them were just sharing stuff online and chatting with people. And not that that is doing nothing, but you know, it's not what some of the other places were doing, which was incredible. We saw other places, not just sharing strong towns ideas with people in their community, but actually organizing and mobilizing people to do good, to do, to do great things. Everything from picking up trash in a park to planting street trees and putting benches at transit stops, all the way to recruiting candidates to run for city council and be on planning commissions and serve on boards and bring a strong town's perspective to those endeavors. This was amazing. And the amazing thing about it is that part of our original strategic plan was this kind of audacious idea that we would share content, like we would write blog posts, we would publish podcasts, we would share videos, and people would go be inspired and go do stuff. And I remember describing that to someone early on, and they said, that's, that's a stupid idea. We didn't think it was stupid because we had seen it happen. And we thought the more we can do this and the bigger and the grander we can do this, the more good things are going to happen. Local conversations is one of those good things. And it's amazing because we were watching these kind of sprout up all over and we were not doing it. All we were doing was sharing ideas and people were being inspired and going out and doing this. So 
Last year, we said, we're going to formalize this as a program. We're actually going to figure out which of the groups are the most successful. We're going to study them and try to understand what it is about them that leads to the success. And in a very kind of reductive and simple way, what we found is that groups that had more than one leader, so it wasn't what we call a lone wolf, it was more than one person, and they had to meet in person, so they had to actually not just be online, but they had to actually get together in person. Those groups tended to explode. That tended to be like a prerequisite for actually doing stuff that, I was gonna use the word meaningful. I'm not gonna suggest that the other groups weren't doing things that were meaningful, but doing things that really had high impact. Two people meeting together in person. That led to more and more people coming on board and then lots of like great things coming out of that. So we launched the program at the beginning of 2022 in order to create more of these local conversations. If you go to strongtowns.org slash local, you can see if there is one near you, there's one near you, sign up. If there's not one near you, you can start your own. And we have a program that you go through to try to get people trained in. We're actually in the process of expanding that program now and, and adding some depth to it to organize your local leaders, to get some training, to uh, get connected to people that we have on our emailing list and everything in your market. We've got a whole program that we're putting people through now to make their local conversation really, really effective. If you want to start a local conversation or see if there's one near you, strongtowns.org-local. Our goal was to have, I can't remember what our goal was, like two dozen by the end of last year. It was a modest goal. We thought, you know, like 20, 25, that would be a good number. And to have 100 or so by the end of this year. I'm spitballing. I can't remember. It doesn't matter because we blew those numbers out of the water. There's something like 180 plus local conversations now today. The crazy thing is that there are 900 requests to start local conversations. Not all these are, I want to use the word credible. I'm so tired and I am so not feeling well. And the words are not flowing as they usually do. I don't want to say credible because I'm not saying like the other ones aren't, but like when we look at a group, we're like, is this one going to become a full-fledged local conversation? And in the internal vernacular we have, say, get on the map. Are we going to put this one on the map? A lot of those 900 will not make it to the map, but a lot of them will. This is why we slowed it down. We can't keep up with 900. And so we're retooling the program. We're bringing in more resources. We're going to kind of relaunch a reimagined or bigger and grander local conversations program at the first of next year. This is all a long way of explaining what I was doing. When I travel, if there's a local conversation in the area, we try to have a meetup. We try to meet with them. I try to sit down and, and chat with people there, find out what's going on, learn what their issues are, what, what are they working on, if I can give them some pointers. But a lot of times it's just giving them encouragement, saying, this is great, keep going, you guys are doing wonderful. So here I am in Santa Fe. I don't feel good. Like really, quite frankly, I thought about canceling this trip and not even coming out here, but I knew that there were people depending on me. I knew there were people that were going to be traveling for this conference I was at because I was going to be there. I had promised people I would be here. And so here I am. I got here. Like I said, I, I went right to bed when I got to the hotel. The conference is going on. They kind of wanted me to attend. I, I'm not up for it. So I went and 
took a nap, and then I got up 10 minutes before the local conversations meetup was supposed to start, and I splashed some water on my face and stumbled my way over there. Wow, am I happy that I did. The very first person I met brought me a gift. He was very melancholy because the place we had chose to meet was a, a bar, and he had brought his daughter because he wanted his daughter to meet me. And they wouldn't let his daughter in. Even like in the back room where we were, even accompanied by, you know, people, she clearly was underage. The bar wouldn't let her in. And okay, you know, I get it. You know, there was this vibe of like, oh, I, I brought my kid here. She really wanted to meet you. So I went outside, stood with them for 15, 20 minutes, chatted with her, chatted with him. They gave me this present. I opened it. It was very thoughtful, very kind. It was just a really like heartwarming, very nice exchange. I went back in. There was a gentleman there who wanted me to sign a book. Him and I wound up talking about music. He's a musician. He knows I'm a musician. He told me a lot of jokes. I'll give you one, my favorite one. He's kind of a jokester. He plays fiddle. And in the genre of music that he plays, the trombone player is like the lowest status instrument, right? So just I, I felt like I needed to give you that as a, as a setup. I tend to play rock music, and in rock music, the drummer is the lowest status person in the band. That's me. So <laughs> trombone, have that in mind. What do you call a beautiful woman on the arm of a trombone player? A tattoo. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. There's a whole bunch of them like that. I'm not feeling well. I'm kind of dragging. Here I am with people. My spirits are lifted. I'm laughing. I'm joking, they're fun, they're kind, they're excited. And we got a chance to talk about Santa Fe. They're very proud of their city. They're very proud of many of the things here. And I think rightly so. I wanna get out and see some of this tomorrow and experience some of the things that they told me about. But here are people who really care deeply about a place. And yeah, they had questions and they had things that aren't going quite right and frustrations that they have, but they're also doing a lot of very innovative things. They passed some odd tax. They were optimistic that it would stand up in court. I'm less optimistic. But it was a tax on homes that sell over a million dollars. And the tax revenue goes to pay for affordable housing. It's a very kind of interesting concept. For those of you that I think I'm an orthodox conservative or an orthodox whatever, I am an orthodox bottom-up person. I love local experimentation. And, you know, I applaud the idea that we're going to try something a little bit different here. Uh, it certainly is better than a lot of the other affordable ideas, affordable housing ideas I've seen. So anyway, we talked about that. And, you know, I was there a couple hours and then I stumbled back to my hotel and I'm going to go to bed now. But I feel physically drained but I feel like mentally alive. And as I think about the member drive, I think about the fact that we're going to go over 5,000 members during this member drive. We are going to reach this milestone that I think years ago seemed insane, um, but we're going to reach it this week. As I think about that, I just think about not just this local conversation, but that there are literally hundreds, 180 plus of these going on with, with then, you know, hundreds more in the process of being formed. And these groups are having a huge impact collectively across the country. 
these groups are having a major impact across North America. We have many local conversations in Canada as well. Places where people are coming together saying, we can do things differently. We can take these ideas and put them to work. And let me tell you one other thing. We have started to craft our programming around empowering these local groups to do good. The Crash Analysis Studio that we launched this year is a model that we want cities to adopt. And the way that we work to get cities to adopt them is to you know, offer training for city staff, write stories and share content and try to encourage local elected officials to ask their staff to do this. But more than either of those two, we are working with local conversations that are sick of people getting killed on their streets, that, that want their streets to be safer, that want something to be done, that want a change to happen. And we are working with them to launch their own local crash analysis studios to get this started so that they can, as an independent group, push the agenda on safe streets in a, in a really credible and powerful way. We wouldn't be doing this program if it didn't have a local conversation angle to it. I mentioned that I was in Norman last week. I mentioned that I'm going to Florida this coming week. When we started the Community Action Labs, one of the things that we wanted to see happen was we wanted local conversations to start up in these places. We recognize, though, that we can't start them. Like, we can't go in and start them. But if people step up and say, I want one, we can support that effort. We can help them be more effective. I'm really proud that in our community action lab communities, we're seeing local conversations form in all of them. We've got one in Norman that we met with when we were there last week. We've got stuff going on in Lake County, Florida, and I'm really, really proud of those efforts. In Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, we have an amazing local conversation. And our fourth community action lab is in Chisholm, Minnesota, and we see uh, citizens coming together there doing something very, very similar. These are programs that are all designed to activate people locally, to help put the ideas of strong towns to work. And I sat down tonight to record this. I'm like, I need to go to bed. I'm like, no, before I do, I got to share this. Because I know I've said this before during member drives. I just thank everybody because really, this movement, this set of ideas has grown so far beyond me, so far beyond anything that I could have come up with. And I am just continually, continually inspired by the way people have taken this set of ideas and turned around and done amazing things to make their communities better. We were doing these member drives five, six, seven years ago, and I kept you know, saying like, there's all this stuff happening and get out and do what you can to build a strong town. And there was, and as I looked back at those points, the distance we had traveled was amazing. And, and you could see the momentum building and I remember feeling it. But I also remember thinking, this is an audacious set of claims that I'm making that if we all do what we can, you know, if everybody listening to this podcast does what they can in their own place, to make it a little bit better, it will be a bottom-up revolution that will change an entire continent. That's an audacious statement. That's a bold statement. Yet, here we are, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it play out. And if you project out a year, two years, three years, five years on the progress that we've made, it is a full-blown, unstoppable revolution. 
It's member week. Part of member week is asking you to do what you can. Many of you are not able to make a financial contribution to Strong Towns. And let me say, I understand, like I get it. We have college students sometimes that will say, I, I really want to be a member, but I don't have any money. I, I get it. I get it. Do your college. Do your thing. We're certainly not asking you to spend money you don't have. But membership is whatever price you want to pay. It's literally a dollar if you want to pay it. And we have people who pay a dollar to be a member. And it means so much. It's like they write a little note in their donation and say, I just want you to know I'm here. I just want you to know that I'm out here and I support you. And I just I say thank you. Like it means a lot. What you can do might mean $25 a year. It might mean $5 a month or $10 a month. Our average donation, our median donation, let's say, is $5 a month. I mean, that's what most people do. It is the median. It's kind of, you know, right there in the middle. $5 a month is, is a really, really helpful level for us. That means a ton. We have other people who give three figures, four figures, five figures even to support this movement. And I want you all to know that it means a lot. It's making a huge difference. When I talk about the local conversations program and expanding it, when I talk about getting out and meeting with people, when I talk about producing the great content that people can share, when I talk about Community Action Lab, all of these things stem from a base of membership support. And as we turn around and talk to donors and talk to foundations, philanthropic partners and others about our movement and what we're doing, it's not a theoretical construct. We're not saying we produce content and then people go out and do good stuff. We say we produce content and here are the hundreds of success stories that we have documented. Here is all the amazing work that people are out there doing. And it's all supported by this really, really strong base of membership. So I'm going to go to bed. I'm so tired. If you have an opportunity, go to strongtowns.org, click on membership, sign up to become a member, and just know that everybody who signs up, your name crosses my desk. Everybody who leaves a comment, I see it, I read it. I thank you so much. It means a lot to me to have that happen. And know that we take this so seriously. I said, I hate being gone on weekends. I do. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I wish I was home. I feel sick. I want to be home. But I'm also deeply grateful to be here, to have this opportunity. It is an honor. It's one that, I mean, I'm here because I take it very, very seriously. Our team takes it very seriously. We're deeply, deeply committed to this. And you know what? Thousands of other people are deeply committed to this too. It, it's not me being heroic. It, it really is thousands of people out there being heroic. And if I am anything here, it's the guide. It's the person helping nudge them along the path. It's the person cheering them on. It's the person giving them some ideas to ponder and some things to think over. It is a huge bottom-up groundswell of people out there doing amazing things. Go give your support to them today strongtowns.org slash membership or go to strongtowns.org, click on the button in the upper right-hand corner. Sign up to become a member at whatever level works for you. If it's a dollar a year, I love it. I'll take it. Write me a message in the comment telling you me, you listen to this and I will get it. I will see it. I will see your name. I will note it and I will 
be deeply, deeply grateful. Thanks, everybody. Keep doing what you can to build a strong town. Take care. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's a story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Oh, Magnet City! I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.